Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Roar Lions Roar podcast. I am uh, your host tonight, as always, Bill DeFilippo, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the lovely and talented Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on, buddy? I was going to say, you said you were the singular host. I got a little worried that I got demoted for a second. No, no, never. Oh, well, you know, I'm good. Today was the first day with uh, the nine-year-old monsters in my classroom, so I'm unwinding with many beers. Well, that's... uh... That's a very mean thing to say about my children, Nick. I do not appreciate that. Also, yes, I, I always forget yeah. how many ex-wives you have in Virginia. Hey, uh, yes, and of course, me calling <laughs> Nick lovely and talented was sarcastic because Nick is neither lovely or talented. He is bad at everything. Someone who is not bad at everything is the third person on this episode of the podcast, and I will leave it up to Nick to introduce him because he, this is going to be a really fun one. Yeah, so... One of the first people that I started reading and loving to read on SB Nation, our former place of employment, was a former strong strong Penn State fan with strong allegiances, but he kind of tailed off and focused on college football for a while. But now he is thankfully back focusing on Penn State once again, and he has decided to join Roar Lions Roar, and that would be one Mr. Peter Burks. How are we tonight, Peter? We are doing excellent. What's going on, dudes? Uh, not too much. Uh, you know, just doing the regular, just podcasting and watching the United States men's national soccer team take on Trinidad and Tobago. So it's another another uh, quiet uh, Tuesday night. First things first, uh, is there anything that you didn't say in your introductory post that you would like to say uh, to the Roar Lions, Roar Universe here on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> um. No, I, I I thought that that covered it pretty well. Try to give a good account of myself. I'm uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, to be focusing more on Penn State. It's something I've uh, uh, I've really kind of missed doing. So it's uh, good to get back to basics. Yeah, that was one thing that uh, you touched on in your introductory post, which I'm going to recommend everyone goes in uh, and reads uh, while they're listening to this edition of the podcast. That you kind of uh, went through a bit of a lull. Uh, in your Penn State fandom. But before we get to that little lull, uh, let's just really quickly talk about how you got into Penn State because you uh, did not attend Penn State and you were not from Pennsylvania originally, correct? I'm not, no. no neither of those things are true. Um, so I am from uh, Rochester in upstate New York. Uh, basically, everybody in my family except for me went to Penn State. Okay. Uh, I have family that lives in the area. Uh, it's, it's very much like the, the family school. Okay. And uh, as as a youngster watching football, it was naturally something that we kind of gravitated towards. So that's really what, what got me sucked into it at a pretty young age. Yeah. So do you have like a favorite Penn State football moment from uh, when you were coming up as a young Penn State fan, or is it one of those things where there were just so many you can't pick one? Uh, there, I mean, there was a lot of moments. Uh, the one that comes through with particular clarity was uh, the that long r- touchdown run in the Rose Bowl in '94. Okay. Um, that, that sort of is, is pretty crystalline in my memory, but you know, winning games is good. Yeah. I always enjoyed that. Winning games is uh very good. And the, you, you mentioned that the last time you remember feeling fully invested was, uh, this lovely mess of a football game that Penn state played, uh, between I against Michigan 43, 40. We all remember that one. We won't go into too much detail with it, but, uh, you mentioned kind of going through that lull. And you said there were a number of factors. If you had to really identify one as a factor, is it that 
um, Penn State football was not very aesthetically pleasing over the last couple of years? Yes, <laughs> that is that is very much the, the number one factor. I am I'm kind of a, a, a snotty brat about uh, the style of football that I like to watch, and the style that I particularly enjoy is one that is uh, just piling up as much points as possible, just <laughs> brutalizing the other team. Like sixty is a good place to think about slowing down. <laughs> and so, um, so you're a big like Burt fan watching his teams play football. Yeah, that do you remember that game where he went for like eighty four against Indiana? Um, I don't, I'm that guy. I was gonna say I don't remember that one specifically, but I have zero doubt in my mind that he just manballed them to death. Yeah, no, there was a, it was I think a, probably the year before he left Wisconsin, he he put something in the eighties on Indiana, <laughs> and like I I was so happy. Just watching them grind them into the dust, it was it was everything that I liked. Uh, un- unfortunately, uh, Penn State was not doing that to a lot of teams. And on top of that, it just the the simple act of like getting first downs and stringing them together and uh, you know scoring points, it just looked so like staggeringly difficult. And when it, when the game looks like that, it's very easy for me to just tune things out, even if it's something I'm very invested in. Um, so it, it, it just sort of became a thing like, well, there's this other game on that's really going crazy right now. I could start flipping over on the commercials and see what's going on. And slowly but surely the percentage just turned and turned and, (laughs) uh, and then eventually Penn State was the thing that I was only watching a little bit of. Yeah. Well, first off, since you mentioned Indiana, we're legally required to shout out our friends over at Crimson Quarry. The kick was good. Yes, the kick was good. Uh, Shout out to Kyle Robbins. Shout out to Ben Raphael. Raphael, I'm not sure how you pronounce your last name, Ben. Love you anyway, buddy. And I think this is two podcasts in a row we've shouted them out. Oh, no. If you listen to the uh, CBS Sports Ion College Basketball podcast, every podcast they do a shout out to former South Carolina uh, combo guard Devin Downey. And I'm going to take inspiration from that to shout out uh, the boys over at Crimson Quarry for all the good that they do covering the mighty Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, But let's not talk about the mighty Indiana Hoosiers anymore. Let's talk about the mighty Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, Peter, uh, he said that he had one of those moments of joy watching this week's game. Penn State took down Kent State 33-13 to in a game that was... It, it was ugly and aesthetically pleasing in its own various weird ways. It was fine. Uh, yeah, it was fine. It was a fine football game. It was about as whatever of a 20-point win as you can see. And um, we're going to talk first about the big takeaway that we had, uh, all of us. And I'm going to let Peter start mostly because I know what Peter is about to start with. And it was that aforementioned moment that brought him a whole hell of a lot of joy. Joey. Joey, Joey the Big yes. Toe Julius, <laughs> when he lined up that that little kick returner, and he did, it, it wasn't one of those things where he just followed through and cleaned the guy out. <laughs> he he almost just kind of like shoved him, but he used his 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 mass, his beautiful yeah. <laughs> beefy big boy mass, and just like became like a wall and bounced him off him. Yeah. Like, like, there's very few moments where you see somebody get so caught off guard by, like, an immovable object on the football field that their body just gets propelled backwards. Yeah. 
and it happened and it was a kicker that did it and i it, that brings me so much joy it, it was amazing because it's not like you said it's not like he like over the shoulder and wrapped up or anything like that he just got in front of that guy and kind of stopped and that guy just kind of kept running and Joey just like leaned forward a little bit, and that was all they needed for it to just be like. Yeah, the the, um, the tackling yeah. for it was just placing his body in exactly. front of him. Yeah, that was mean, it. Th- there was no like Ray Lewis truck stick, anything like that. It was just pure old no mask going against beefiness of the purest form, and it was it was one of those really dumb, silly moments that makes us all remember why we all love college football so much. I think uh, one of the underrated best parts of that, what too, was that that was their only kick return of the game. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach you. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I mean, it now makes a lot of sense. You stay why in that end zone. Kicker. Yeah, if you don't, our beefy man kicker is gonna run into you. Do you know what I really want to see? I really want to see Joey do that to like Jabril Peppers or something. Like, I would, well, I would like, ascend to heaven so quickly if you did that. Yeah, like. I, I, that that just needs to be something that happens in every game. Like, just put Joey in at strong safety or something when you're going into fun package so he could, like, lumber into the backfield and blitz or something. Uh, yeah, this is our, uh, this is our kicker slash uh, linebacker safety combo. Yeah. <laughs> it's unique. It, like, that seems like something that Bob Shoup would have tried to come up with. So uh, It's a unique uh, position for a unique boy. Very, mu- very much so. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, your big takeaway... Uh, let's try and have this one not involve a kicker, unless there's maybe a punter that you were taken aback with. Uh, there absolutely was a punter I was taken aback with, but I, I've already sung my my praises of Blake Gillikin on the site, so I'll look elsewhere. Um, I will say I was pleasantly... I mean, the offense was inconsistent, but they were at least interesting at times, which is nice to see. But uh, it was pretty fun to watch the defensive line go to work, especially in the second half, uh, namely guys like Sharif Miller and Ryan Buckles. I know for me personally, covering recruiting, it's starting to get into the time period where everyone on the team is a kid that I either like talked to or followed really closely as a recruit. So seeing some of those guys start to do important things in games is really, really cool, uh, particularly those two. Uh, so I'd say the pass rush was probably one of the more happily surprising things that I saw on Saturday. And it was Kent State, I get that. But uh, they have a lot of production to replace, obviously, with uh, Zedel Johnson and Nassib all gone. So just to see some of those guys step up and kind of take the first steps towards becoming uh, more consistent pass rushing presences was pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I know I mentioned that we're not, uh, I mentioned before the pod to you guys, we're not going to talk too much about Pitt, but the big concern going into the game against Pitt is that Pitt has an offensive line that when it's on, it could push teams around. And Penn State, not having too much experience or and guys who've just been there before in the trenches is something that, is a little bit scary heading into that game. But between the fact that, uh, I mean, Pitt, I think pretty obviously didn't put its foot completely on the gas against Villanova. But Nathan Peterman, who is like the, like if you rank all 128 starting quarterbacks, he's exactly in the middle. He didn't have his most stellar game and the running game for Pitt didn't really get going. Mixed with the fact that Penn State's defensive line showed that it can get some stuff done. I think that heading into the game against Pittsburgh, that's a little bit uh, of a reason for optimism, but we got another 
uh, podcast coming on that in the next day or two. Uh, Nick said he's not going to talk about Blake Gillikin, so I am going to talk about Blake Do Gillikin. It. Yeah, I mean, it, we joke a lot about punting uh, for very obvious reasons because it's a very silly way to give another team an object by kicking it as far as you can and having a human being catch it. But, I, I mean, we've sat through the last couple of years of Penn State football with Penn State's punters struggling to kick the ball 40 yards at times. Gillikin, true freshman, first ever game home field, all that, he has to know in the back of his mind that there's an expectation on him as a Penn State punter that he is going to be a little bit better, or he has to be a little bit better than what Penn State's had the last few years, and his debut could not have gone any better, average 47 yards per kick. Uh, I don't have the rest of uh, the punting numbers. Long of 58. Long of 58, yeah. Yeah, 58 long. Just like all these really incredible things that we just have not seen out of Penn State's punting game recently and as we saw say last year between Penn State and Ohio State uh, every time Penn State would get the ball it was getting the ball at the two yard line or the 10 yard line something like that because Ohio State's punter was pinning them deep and when it came time for Penn State to kick Ohio State was getting the ball at the 50 or something so having a guy who can really flip the field is something something that Penn State hasn't really had in a while and uh, Nick, uh, I'm actually going to make you fawn over Blake Gillikin really quickly, but just say a few nice things about the guy who I think we have to assume is going to be Penn State's punter going forward. Yeah, I mean, I Matt, whose season tickets are very, very close to the ones that I typically use, we were two, I think we were two of the first people standing up in the stadium applauding Gillikin's first punt. Uh, but the thing that I think makes his punts a little extra special. I mean, we saw we've seen Pascarello and Gula uh, pull out a kick of I don't know fifty something yards a couple times over the course of the last few seasons. But the thing's been when they've done that, there hasn't been much hang time. Gillikin's punts all. I I mean, I wish I had numbers on what the hang time really was, but Gillikin's punts all day really had great hang time to go with them as well, which is kind of an underrated point of punting that a lot of people don't really think about. Uh, but really, all of them were the, the exact, like the dream kind of punts you would want. They're the kind of punts that uh, the gunners can go and get underneath and keep anything from. I mean, it, it, I can't say enough about how awesome it was seeing someone do what he did. Just for a little bit of perspective, last year, so Gillikin's averaging right now 47, 47 yards per punt. Last year for the season, Pascarello averaged 39.9. Chris Gula averaged 37.7. If we go back to 2014, then Pascarello and Gula each averaged 37.3. So already he's been about 10 yards better than both of those guys, which is a really significant number when you think about field position. Like that's... Um, yeah. Sorry That's to cut you off. Um, the, the thing about uh, sample size here is uh, is obvious, but uh, oh, yeah. just a, a quick flip over to the national punting leader so far this year, <laughs> and uh, Gilligan is in the top ten. Woo! Yeah, I was going to say, Peter, what are your thoughts on Nick using the phrase "dream kind of punt" that you want? Not necessarily as like <laughs> a Penn State fan. I mean, just as you know, a human being who gets enthusiastic about things. It uh, it it stirs the the spirits in both of the heart minds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, perfect. Uh, so yeah, let's. Uh, I think we've been rather uh, happy and optimistic so far. Let's get into. I don't want to say pessimistic, but 
maybe some things that you wanted to see a little bit more of uh, out of Penn State, something that, I don't know, you expected to see but didn't see. And that, this doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but just something to kind of put into context of the fact that, you know, Nick, Penn State was playing Kent State, and, uh, you know, there's only so much you could take away from a game like this. Yeah, so the two for me things that I would have liked to see more of. Uh, I, first would be the speed of the offense, and it's not that they were slow by any means. They were still very quick to the line, very quick to get reset, uh, popping back up, getting the play call, all that. But uh, we heard so much about how they have the three different speeds to the offense, and I'm assuming they were holding back on maybe the fastest one or the second. I, honestly, we won't really know until we see them play Pitt and Temple and Michigan and Minnesota, but I I was expecting maybe a little bit quicker, just maybe just once, just to see them test it out, um, and then a little bit of mix. It looked like McSorley got a little bit locked down to Chris Godwin at times. So again, just something that'll he'll grow will grow with uh, the season. But then the other thing would be uh, the defensive, particularly the defensive lines lack of ability to wrap up in a few big spots uh i know we just talked about how great they were getting to the quarterback i think i believe they had seven sacks but they probably left at least three more on the table and to kent state's credit they were pretty elusive in the backfield overall but there were definitely a few times where penn state had an opportunity to wrap up and make a tackle for loss or get another sack and they weren't really able to do that yeah i mean uh, I'll touch on that first thing because that kind of ties into something that I wanted to see a little bit more of. Uh, but uh, Nick uh, and I, one of our friends, mentioned to us that Godwin's, Chris Godwin said, we saw about 50 to 60% of Penn State's offense. Uh, I don't know if that means uh, with tempo, whether that means plays, whether that, what that means. But uh, it definitely did seem like to everyone in attendance and everyone watching at home, like Penn State was holding back a little bit, and that kind of got confirmed uh, by one of the Nittany Lions players. Uh, Peter, what are something that you maybe wanted to see in this game that we didn't really get the opportunity to see? Uh, yeah, I mean, Nick just uh, touched on it. Was the the contain from the defensive line? Uh, Kent State got a lot of their biggest plays off of sort of weird broken plays or busts and. Uh, over aggressiveness from the defensive front, I think, really contributed to that. So just have them like pull back a little bit, I think, would really help there. Uh, I also thought that a lot of the route running was not particularly crisp. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is them still learning things in the offense, or if that's just a, a symptom of everybody still being kind of tentative with the new system. But um, that I, I think that can be cleaned up fairly quickly. But I'd like to see that happen first before I get too excited. Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, the receivers are the big thing with me. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more uh, of a rotation uh, using the receivers. It really seemed to me like, and, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but Penn State, their number one priority was uh, let's get Chris Godwin, let's get Deshaun Hamilton, let's get uh, let, you know, even Mike Kosicki and then Saeed Blacknall really incorporate into this offense, let them get as many reps as possible at game speed. Uh, but we've mentioned this on the site. People have mentioned this on other sites. Penn State has a whole hell of a lot of options at wide receiver, and that is probably the deepest unit that the Nittany Lions have. And that depth thing is something really at every skill position I want to see. I mentioned wide receiver and tight end, running back. We really didn't see too much. 
of Andre Robinson. Didn't see too much of Miles Sanders outside of kick returns. Uh, Mark Allen didn't really get too many reps there. And then the defensive side of the ball, uh, I, 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 whatever. I mean, Malik Golden had a really good game. Marcus Allen had a really good game. So definitely want to give them the credit that they deserve. Uh, it was just a, a nice, solid performance by the defense. And like you guys said, if anything, just wrap up a little bit better and not give up those broken plays that, you know, we saw happen every now and then. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, we're being yeah, kind of critical ahead. here, but uh, yeah. just looking at the, the, the box here, uh, I mean, total yards is a very much a booty stat, but uh, they held Kent State to 279, which is good, regardless of, you know, how many plays that took. Um, and uh, Kent State was 5 for 17 on third downs, which I will take yeah, every week. So. Absolutely. Do that against Ohio State, and it's amazing how happy that everybody's going to be. But uh, yeah. Ohio State is going to be a fully formed death machine by then, and all of us who said that Penn State may win that game, we kind of look dumb right now. Neither who, here nor there. Who said that? Um, I have kind of insinuated that I think Penn State's going to win one of its three big home games, and Ohio State is one of its three big home games. So it can be taken that way. Neither here nor there. I do not want to show my own ass like that. What uh, kind of the last thing before we get to everyone's favorite segment on this stupid and dumb podcast? Uh, just how do you feel after this game? Um, I know we've kind of mentioned this, but there isn't too much that we could really take away from it. At least I don't think the big test is this weekend against the University of Pittsburgh. But Kent State. It's a team that came in with a solid defense, a team that came in with a bunch of questions on offense. And Penn State beat them by 20, had some really uh, admirable remarks. We haven't even mentioned Saquon Barkley once in this podcast, going over 100 yards and getting a touchdown. So, that, I, I mean, there were just some really nice things that happened during this game. And, Peter, we'll start with you. How do you feel about Penn State football after week one? I, yeah, I feel fine. You know, I there there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of context that goes into judging a performance like this. Two new coordinators, new quarterback, uh, uh, basically a brand new defensive line. You know, these things are going to take time before they look real nice. Yeah. So that things didn't look great. It, not even necessarily bad, but I mean, there's obvious kinks that need to be worked out. But that that happened in the first game against a team with a good defense. You know. I can definitely work with that. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Uh, Nick, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, there were certainly encouraging things from the game. There were things that they need to work on. Um, overall, I I think I feel a little more confident about the team than I did going into the game just because we got to see a little bit of what the offense will look like when it is firing on all cylinders, which was encouraging. I mean... I mean, when they have it rolling with McSorley and Barkley and, I mean, with, with all the guys on the same page, it looked pretty damn good, honestly. Like, it, Kent State's not a, not a pushover on defense at all. It's a solid defense, and they pretty much walked right through them on a few of those touchdown drives, so that was definitely encouraging. As far as going forward, I don't really think my opinions on any of the regular season have changed. Like, I still feel that Pitt is the toss-up of all toss-ups. Still don't feel great about Michigan, Ohio State, or one of Iowa or Michigan State. I think I'll beat one of them. Not sure which, but yeah, I'd say this. While it didn't really do a whole lot in changing my outlook on the season per se, it made me feel a little more comfortable, at least in the short term. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking this up right now. 
but by S&P Plus, uh, Kent State, the number 56 defense in the country. So, like Nick said, not a pushover. And it was a good enough win that in S&P Plus, Penn State went up to 27th in the country from 28th, and Pitt stayed even at 29th. So if you need a reason to think Penn State's going to win, there you go. If they don't win, send an angry tweet to Bill Connolly or something. I'm sure he'll love it. Um, before we play the game, uh, I know um, don't actually do that. Never tweet. But before we get to the game, uh, my MVP for the game, I said it was Mike Gusecki because I was just so very happy for him. Nick... Uh, he said it was Blake Gilligan. Peter, I have a feeling I know what direction you're going in. Who was your MVP for the game? Joey. Yeah, there we go. All right, I thought so. Uh, Joey <laughs> actually, wa- uh, he came in, he got one vote. Who voted for him? Uh, Doug Leeson, our resident young, one of our resident young men, his exact sentence was, for me, the MVP of a forgettable non-conference win isn't who the best player was, but it's who provided value to the game. The toes hit is the only good thing to happen to me in a lifetime of watching sports. <laughs> and if that doesn't sum everything up perfectly, I don't know what does. And on that note, I think it's time, Nick, for us to play everyone's favorite game, Real Pen Live Comment or Not. For those of you who did not listen to the last edition of the podcast in which we played this with the solid verbals Ty Hildenbrand, Nick is going to go through our favorite Twitter account, the Real Pen Live account. Pick a number that, of tweets that are real, that are real comments, that appear in PenLive comment sections, and make up a few of his own for our special guest, Peter Burks. We're going to see how he does. Um, and yeah, Nick, take it away. Well, I will say before we start, I guess we can't really call Peter a special guest because yeah. I no, assume he'll be here quite I a mean, bit. He's a special guest in that this is his first time on the podcast. It, it is his special yeah. debut. Exactly. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's extremely special. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so like Bill said, this is a game. This will likely go down as the crowning achievement of my lifetime. Thinking of this game, but uh, for those of you that don't know, on Twitter there is a account called Real Pen Live Commenter, something like that. Uh, we'll, put, we'll put the we'll put the handle in. There. That sounds right. At Real Pen Live. Yeah. So what they do is they take real comments from Pen Live and they post them completely out of context on Twitter. And they're always hilarious because people that comment on Pen Live are real life crazy people. Yes. So I have compiled a list of seven questions. Okay. Or questions, seven comments. Some are real, some are fake, and we are going to and, test Peter and see if he yeah. gets them right. If he see if he can guess if they are real or fake. And Peter, before you uh, before you start, feel free as you hear it to just let all of your thoughts come out of your mouth so we know like what your thought process is as you're trying to decide whether or not these are real or fake, because I think that really adds something. Okay. All right, yes, we'll with Ty last time, we actually discovered that some of these are really great jumping-off points for conversation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, so no, and unfortunately we don't have Ty's soundboard this time. Maybe we'll have to get our own to fill in the uh, Family Feud buzzer and ding sounds for correct or incorrect but that's beside the point question number one or comment number one james franklin will have no say in a psu pit rivalry going forward he will be fired after this year (laughs) it it's really kind of amazing that somebody can speak with like that kind of rock solid authority in like a a, an article (laughs) comment just like no 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 i know i know the truth here yes um Man, this is, I mean, it's pretty tame, but I'm going to say that the tameness and the lack of creativity make it more real than not, so I'm going to say real. Ah, you are correct. One yeah. for one. 
Oh, and quick shout out to Dan Smith. We will not forget how to do math this time as we yeah. compile Peter's score. Yeah. Uh, question, comment number two. I fear Penn State has already won its first and last game for the season. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, oh. I'm trying to think if somebody really out there thinks that they're going to go 1 and 11. <laughs> We played Purdue like, this yeah, year. Like Maryland, yeah, Maryland, Purdue, Rutgers, they're all in the eh, Temple. Uh. Lost. Temple was a 15-point favorite over Army and lost by 15. So if this is real, this person has to assume that Penn State is going to lose to a team that had a 30-point swing in what the line thought was going to happen against Army. This is fake. This is very, very real. I knew it. Oh! <laughs> I remember see I was like sitting in a bar or something and that one came up and I just kind of like looked at it and just like I stared a hole through my phone it was incredible oh man I it was right it was right there in front of me it, of course it was so stupid it has to be real <laughs> so you All think right. that and now Nick is going like somewhere in here Nick is going to say something that is so incredibly stupid that is in a way dumber than that one and you're going to go well that one was real so this has to be real too and that this is when it starts getting to be a bit of a mental game, you know? Y'all are getting just gaslighting me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one for two. Number three. James Fraudlin is exactly what his real, name says real, he is. Real. <laughs> if he doesn't beat Pitt this weekend, he should be gone. Uh, real just based on Fraudlin. That is very fake. <laughs> <laughs> one for three. One for three. The, the good news is if you go one for three, you're winning a batting title. So It's true. That's definitely true. Very, very far. I believe Ty only got two wrong, so you're off his pace a little bit. Uh, all right, number four. Playing Wartman on special teams was Franklin's dumbest coaching move. Did he have Hackenberg play on special teams? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm stuck in my own head. <laughs> oh, no. This is what the game um, does. I am going to say that this is fake. This is real, Peter. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I gonna, I, okay, for the rest of this game, I'm going to say whatever the opposite of my first instinct is. <laughs> and I'm going to see what I do. Oh, man. This game's great. All right, number five. Oh, so fun. we're... <laughs> one for four. <laughs> one for four. Yeah, the worst part about this is that half the time these are real things people said. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I would rather have a bottom feeder program and wait for O'Brien to come back than watch James Franklin anymore. It's fake. Ah, oh, you're right. That is fake. Well done. Yeah, so, I, I was going to... Oof. I, I feel like there are too many people out there who are just mad at Bill O'Brien for no reason, and they are all—they're yeah. all at Penn Live. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all just very vocal little squares on the internet. <laughs> I was—I was—I was pushing the envelope with that one. I figured you'd get that. Yeah. All right, two for five. Number six. Who the hell does Franklin think he is going for two right now? You're not Oregon or Chip Kelly. You're Jimmy One Finger. <laughs> okay, listen. I actually. Okay, I might be. Making a making an ass of myself here. I think I might have actually seen that on Twitter, so that's real. That is fake. I adopted <laughs> this. I adopted 
is from real comments, but that is a fake comment. Nick, Nick it's a concerted conspiracy that people are trying to insert fake PenLab comments into my Twitter timeline to mess me up for this game. <laughs> Nick, can you repeat that one just because I want to hear it again? Yeah. Who the hell does Franklin think he is going for two right now? You're not Oregon or Chip Kelly. You're Jimmy One Finger. Oh my god. I saw I was looking through the Pen Live the real Pen Live timeline and I saw someone refer to him as Jimmy One Finger. Uh, I knew okay. I knew I had okay. to. Okay. Tricky, tricky. Oh god. <laughs> Jimmy One Finger. I was gonna say, like, if you just came up with Jimmy One Finger on your own, we'd have to have like a serious discussion about teaching children and whether you should be allowed <laughs> to do it. Well, after after Ty told me he didn't think I was capable of coming up with, what was it, Mr. What what they call him, Coach Face and like Mr. Yum Yum or something like that? Mr. Yum Yum, Coach Yum Yum, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I felt like I had to step my game up a little bit. Yeah. I'll say this right. though, if, if, you, if you end up, you know, washing out of your job, I think you have a real promising career as a, like a screenwriter who just makes up names for like uh, the low level like uh, mob goons who get off oh, yeah. like, like an episode? Like he's doing what happened? Like, to, what happened to old Jimmy One Finger? It's like, well, no, he's got no fingers. <laughs> I mean, like this is basically what uh, Brian Grubb, formerly known as Danger Guerrero, does on Twitter every now and then. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I think Nick would be uh, very good at this, definitely. All right, so we're at two for six. We're gonna try to break into the three correct category here with the last question. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> Number 51 out of 128 overall? It'd be easier to convince me that Ryan Lochte tells the truth than there are 77 FBS coaches worse than James Franklin. Uh, there's too much math there. That's fake. That, that's, that is very real. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, before I started looking up uh, comments to use for this, I I was already planning on working Ryan Lochte into one of them. Yeah, and, I know. And yeah. Real pen live comments is the gift that keeps on giving and did it for me. I'm <sighs> way too deep inside my own head on this. <laughs> I think we're going to have to keep like a leaderboard up somewhere on the website now. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's all that concludes another rousing round of real pen live comment or not. Oh my god, that was Jesus God. I really, I really want Penn State to win this week for the sole purpose that I want to call into the solid verbal, sorry, the solid verbal reverb line and leave another real pen live or not comment for Ty. Ooh, okay, yeah, that'd be a that'd be a good sign. I, I think, yeah, like we have to, we'll discuss this after the pod, but we have to figure out who the funniest person realistically we could get on here is to have them play the <laughs> pen live game. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss all of that later. Uh, for now, uh, I want to thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast. We had a great time uh, doing it, except for Peter. I think the last like 10 minutes really went off the rails for him and now We're going to have to have a little discussion once we go off the air. Uh, this podcast Peter, is actually bad. <laughs> well, I mean, no one was denying that, but it's true. We are bad. Yeah, no, no, I'm lying. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, new on the site. Peter's new on the site, so make sure you read all the stuff that he does. It's uh, definitely going to be a good time, and we we're excited to see what he has, uh, what he has up his sleeves for the rest of this season. Um, before we go, I want to do my usual spiel where I tell you all to buy a T-shirt. Uh, like I said, 
many times, softest t-shirt you're ever gonna own. It's your new favorite t-shirt from the second you get it. They fit really well. We, I actually washed mine. I was a bit worried that it was gonna shrink up on me. It doesn't really shrink all that much. And we got some really, really fun stuff in the pipeline for all of you, uh, depending on how the next two weeks or so play out. So uh, make sure you keep it locked onto RoarLionsRoar.com. Keep your eyes on the store, see what we have going on. Hopefully we have, we are able to bust out some of the cool ideas that we have for that. And we're just going to make keep... sure you follow all the social media accounts. Yeah, definitely too. follow us all. If the Instagram account is finally active. So oh, Roar so... Lions Roar on Instagram. Yeah, follow Instagram, follow, uh, do we have Snapchat, Nick? Um, I don't think so, not yet. But if, right, we we'll don't buy, if we don't buy Saturday, I will make one. We will get that eventually. Uh, Twitter, at Roar Lions Roar, Facebook. Oh, wait, no, Twitter, we are not at Roar Lions Roar. We're RLR, at RLR blog. blog. That is correct. My apologies. Good thing I'm not an editor or anything. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Roar Lions Roar. We're the one with the Keystone logo that you see everywhere. And we hope you all have a really good day. Hope you enjoyed listening to this pod. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud, of course. And as we found out, we are on Google Play, Nick. Yes, we are. Yep. Squad. Squad. Peter, do you use Google Play? Uh, You know, I don't. Okay. But... Uh, you know, I'm here for it, though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I you, I have never met a person in real life who uses Google Play. So one of these days we will find someone who does. But if you use Google Play to listen to our podcast, thank you very much. Leave us a very nice review. We'd appreciate that. Read everything that we have going on. Like, share, everything that you can do. And we hope to keep uh, churning out the good content. Uh, for Peter Burks, for Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Roar Lions Roar Podcast.